0: So this week, we are doing a little something different than the normal and probably different than what you've probably heard on other podcasts about dance or pro-cheer. I had the opportunity to interview the very first African-American female pilot in U.S. Navy history, Brenda Robinson. And I met her at a networking event, and she just blew my mind away. And we got to talking about, you know, what I did. And I told her I was a former pro cheerleader, and she lit up. You guys, I'm telling you, I was not expecting her to say that she loved cheerleading. A pilot? Right? Like, what? And so I got to talking about my dance career and being a pro in the NFL and she got to talking about her time as a cheerleader and how she always wanted to be a cheerleader growing up and finally did it in college. We're going to get all into that in this episode and that's that's how it relates to pro cheer because she not only has a bunch of advice for you going after what you want, but just life in general and how you can apply this to your training your dream to be a pro dancer or cheerleader and i'm just so excited for you to hear this conversation because there's so many gems that were dropped so many takeaways and i'm sure you're going to learn a lot from her she's been in the the pilots aviation industry for a long time and is continuing it with her aviation camps for for kids and you're just gonna love it I know you are so I'm gonna stop talking now and I'm going to Let you listen to this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Imperfect Cheerleader. My name is Jasmine Neely. I am your host for today, and we have a very special guest. I will go ahead and just introduce her, her. Her name is Brenda Robinson. She is the first Black woman to earn her wings of gold as a naval aviator. Robinson was the 59th female to enter naval flight training to enter the Naval Flight Training Program September uh, September 1979 and became the 42nd to earn her WINGS. June 6th on 1980 in Corpus Christi, Texas, Brenda was the second woman in history to carrier qualify, landing her C1A on USS America, January 1981. Many may not know this, but growing up, Brenda had a dream of being a cheerleader. When she went to college, that dream became a reality as she was selected to join her college varsity cheerleading team at Dowling College in Long Island, New York. Considering she was an aeronautics student and the first Black woman to do so, she also made history as the first Black female Navy pilot and carrier pilot. She's since retired from the U.S. Navy and American Airlines and now trained through her aviation camps. She's been featured in CNN, PBS, Huffington Post, and local Charlotte, Philadelphia, South Carolina, and Florida TV stations. She also has a book, Success is an Attitude, that you can get on Amazon. She currently resides in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is a speaker at schools and events all over the nation. She has authored about and teaches goal achievement and lessons learned from her unique life and career. Brenda, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Jasmine. This is so, it's so cool. It's so sweet. And before I even start, let me just say that a friend of mine who is a doctor, a surgeon out in San Francisco that I haven't talked to in many years, he's known me half my life. And I said, "Oh, by the way, I'm doing a podcast on Thursday about uh, my cheerleading days," and he was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> How do I know about this? Oh, wow! It was hilarious. It's like, guys, right? It's like, wait a minute, you were a cheerleader, and I didn't know. It like, <laughs> it's like, it seems like wow. you don't really. I I feel like you don't really talk about it, or people don't really oh, know do. about it. Oh, you? Oh, I, yeah. I don't. But um, yeah. I want to make sure that he gets a copy of this podcast. <laughs> of
0: course, this is this is your opportunity. We're gonna get all into that. Yeah, I wear a lot of hats. Yeah. So, as you know, my audience just guess trans um, transitioning into the, the conversation. My audience is mainly dancers, professional cheerleaders, former fresh, professional cheerleaders or dancers, aspiring pros uh, in the NFL or NBA. Um, dancers cheerleaders on all, all that so before we get into your career as a pilot what intrigued me the most about you was that you had a dream of being a cheerleader when you were a little girl and I want to I want you to kind of get into what intrigued you the most about cheerleading and why you wanted to do it
1: well You know that when you're in grade, not grade school, I didn't say high school, you know, when you're in high school and you are a cheerleader, then I mean, that pretty much takes care of the popularity box. You can just check check that right there, you know, and I was never popular at all, but it wasn't (laughs) popularity. No, really, it wasn't popularity. It was like, it looked like the coolest thing ever. I'm the kind of person that if you put on really good dance music and people are still sitting in their chair, uh, I'm wondering why. (laughs) it does not make sense to me that people could actually sit during awesome music you know I want to be up all the time and that it has been all my life so I need to be out there and I I, so I saw cheerleading as a part of the uh, the inspirational part of me whereas what you you probably ask a question about my dad He, he was more interested in the science and math part of me And uh, I had, I have no uh, ability to, uh, in art, none, except for dancing and choreography if you know, you teach it to me, I can do it. And you teach me a dance and I can do it immediately. And so like cheerleading was made for me, Um, but since there's other reasons why I, I got, you know, why I wanted to get into it and actually do it but I was kind of (laughs) apprehended at a point where that just wasn't working out in my you know my my dad's point of view but uh, yeah that's why I was interested in so long ago because I think it had me written all over it
0: (laughs) yeah that's so awesome what do you think that came from you think like when you when you listen to a a song you want to get up and dance you think that came from somebody in your family or is it just kind of like you were just born with it and you can pick up you know a dance really fast you, how do you think that you I, know, where, I, where did that come from
1: yeah i didn't realize that i could pick stuff up like that so quickly coming to find out my, my mother was was really great at that i mean, she passed away in the in the 80s you know just when i was old enough to get to know her as an a an adult Uh, you know she was still my mom you know so I was still learning from her so right when I was about to not hang out with her and learn what it was like when you know for her life um, you know she 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 passed away but she has all of that go-getter kind of attitude she was an awesome dancer my dad my mom and dad used to go dancing all the time you know they just love that and it's just that was just automatically a a part of me and I just didn't know it Mm -hmm. so uh, so anything that had to do with music or a beat or something, I was enjoying it. Now I was in music, but I was playing an instrument. I was in music. I I could sing. I used to do duets. Even my mother played guitar, and I uh, sang duets with her. And um, uh, uh or some something else on there. But um, uh, oh yeah, I did ballet too when I was younger. So that was like yeah. the, a lot of things that my parents wanted to to see me in. But once I get into the music part of it, uh, I was in. Um, uh, 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 not the band, but the, the concert band and which was Christmas and mm-hmm. Easter and jazz band. And so now I'm using a, uh, using a skill all the time and band and cheerleading, both practice and actual uh, uh, use were always at the same time. It's not like that. I could go to cheerleading practice because band practice was at that time. It's not like I could be a cheerleader on the floor of the basketball game because I was sitting in the stands as a jazz uh, part of the jazz band that played at the basketball game. You know, yeah. so it's like I could never split those two up until I got to college and um, I, I, I wanted to get into cheerleading, but I had to, to quit one. Dad said no. <laughs> End of discussion. I got to college. And I go, all right, I'm still on my dad's dime. And do you guys have a marching band here? And they go, no, we don't have a marching band. Do you have a band of any kind? Go, no, no, we don't have any band. Um, you can start a band. I'm like, bah, bah, bah. that's not what I'm asking. <laughs> 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 so I found out about the cheerleading. I was like, okay, I have no skill, no background in cheerleading, but uh, I'm motivated because I learned all the cheers while I was watching you know, high school and some other... Uh, influences that I had in cheerleading and so as soon as I found out that they had no music off I went into the cheerleading <laughs> yeah so has nothing to do with aviation aviators, nothing, don't yeah. aviators don't dance no so they're not in they're not into that ex- self-expression part of their of their being yeah. that, that doesn't happen. so it's completely two different worlds which is why right. people don't even know that I was a cheerleader <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's crazy. It's so ironic. Just like you said, you know, it's two different worlds and you wouldn't expect that, you know, you would, you had that background growing up. So it's so cool that, you know, you were able to accomplish all you did in your, your pilot, you know, career. And then you had this, you know, thing that you like to do, which is dance and cheer. So what was your favorite part about like cheering in college? What, what, like, what did you like about it the most in college?
1: Um, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the part about sharing, I think that, uh, made it all worthwhile. I could go to practice. I could go to a game. Now, you know, my, my, my homework was just stacked, you know, mm. and the courses I was taking was super hard. Yeah. Um, I even had tutors and things like calculus or something like, that. I mean, I mean, I really, I had some, some really serious courses. So not every day was a lovely day. (laughs) So I figured out I'm working hard. Mm -hmm. I go to a basketball game and I'm like, I don't feel like being here. You know, I got all of this work to do. And And we get out on the floor to do the first cheer. And by the time I get finished yelling and screaming and running around and smiling, you know, and trust me, the the smiling part of it actually uh, internalizes itself so now i'm screaming because you know i'm you know doing a cheer making a lot of noise getting folks in the stands to make the noise and all of a sudden you just get all caught up in it and no matter how i felt when i came to the game i felt elated when i left it was always yes. a good policy it was it's the best mental health right. uh, process you could a- ever go through you know i try to teach people to do that it's like If I only had cheerleading, you know, now as an adult, it's just the the best thing you can do to get yourself out of any kind of funk and just feel much better. So it is just delightful. It's just a lot of fun.
0: It's like a stress reliever and I feel like a lot of people that listen to my podcast can relate to that because they have their their jobs and then maybe in the evening they dance or maybe they work out or whatever it is but it's you moving your body so you don't have to think about you know the stresses of the day you can kind of just let it go and enjoy yourself which I can definitely relate to when I was I was a pro um, in the NFL for five years and I worked during the day and we had practices at night um, during the week and then sometimes on the weekends too, but like it was just a way for us to just decompress and our coach always said, when you come here leave everything else out the door, like when you come here this is your time to really you know, mesh with your teammates and just have fun in the process, even though it is a job still, it was a job for, for me, but, um, it was a way, you know, you do, you're doing what you love. And I think that's so important to like, let it off your mind. Sometimes the stresses of the day.
1: Yeah. You have to take it seriously so that you look professional, yeah. but at the same time, it just does more for you than you're doing for them in order, you know, they yeah. the have- so, and it's a choreographed type of type of thing. So you're doing something with another, with other team members. The closest I could get to that is Zumba dancing. You know, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't go and get a cheerleading class, <laughs> but Zumba dance is, is, is as close as I could get to it because it's a choreographed group of people doing something to the same time of 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 music. And I really enjoy that.
0: Yeah. And what you said about the smile too, like, you internalize that. When you put on your smile, you like automatically feel better. I right. think it's something to be said about, you know, when you smile, it's like an automatic. um, What is it? It's like laugh. I think her laughter is like good for the soul. It's kind of like that starts with a smile. So that's so important.
1: And it bounces off of other people. Because exactly. Smiling, and then they're smiling and then you're laughing and they're laughing, you know, and it's like, you know how it is when you, somebody gets the, the giggles, <laughs> you know, that just spreads around and you can't stop. You can't help it. it's a medicine
0: uh, for real for real i know you mentioned your father discouraged you a little bit about um being a cheerleader i guess it was that in high school i believe and instead wanted you to do band or something else so why do you think your father had that um that inclination or you know encourage you to do something else besides cheerleading
1: i don't really have an answer for that except for maybe the father-daughter or you know rule you know um a man has a daughter. do you think he wants it out on the floor you know uh, attracting the 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 views of other guys you know or do you want them all um dressed from from head to foot <laughs> in this great big old uniform you know mm-hmm. playing a musical instrument um you know some kind of skill that has been gained by playing the the instrument i had to, to learn that i couldn't that wasn't something that i could internally. Um, do on my own it is it's something that proved to him that I was accomplishing a task that I was never going to do I was not going to make a living um, as a um, uh, in in, in any kind of orchestra never Mm -hmm. it was was never the plan but it made me feel better that I was doing that so so did you really have an answer for you you could probably ask the yeah ask the dad as to what what you know what they're thinking some of them will encourage you because it my my parents encouraged me in every way you can do anything you want to do like can I be mm-hmm. a cheerleader no <laughs> <laughs> that was the only thing <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> that's so interesting yeah I feel like some other people can relate to that just with family not you know wanting the best for you of course but maybe not agreeing with what you may want to do, um, you know, in your life, and I think it 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 may stem from just safety and you know them just wanting you to do something that you're going to be able to you know make a living off of or um, something that's going to be worthwhile in in your future. So um, you I guess we we'll, we never know sometimes like how our family reacts to stuff and why they do, but I think it's relatable to other people who come to me and say, hey. You know, I want to go out for this team, but my my boyfriend or my father and my mom, they aren't, you know, really supporting me in it. So how do you work through that? So um, I think that's really important. So did you did you do band in high school?
1: I did. As soon as uh, okay. they started uh, training uh, on instruments that was back in like fourth or fifth grade. And as soon as uh, there, a band showed up, I was, I was in one. And then I was taking piano lessons as well. I mean, there was always along those lines, there was no, um, no artistry. And, um, and maybe that's what people uh, discourage their young people. If they can't see the artist portion of them come out already uh, so they can uh, uh, support that. They kind of feel as though, well, you're not, this is not real. You're, this is not real art. So then you can't do that for a living. So therefore, uh, we need to uh, redirect you in another direction. Mm. So mm. so to me, I saw cheerleading as fun. Um, you might see it as art. I see it as just fun. And mm. something that uh, I just wanted to do uh, in high school. I was not, po- I told you, I'm not popular. I was not popular. I wasn't cute. I wasn't cute. I wasn't popular. Oh, Brett, I, oh, I bet you, you were. That you were, that you were cute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, uh, all all of those things kind of like did not add up for me uh, at that particular point of my life. And when you talked about, well, boyfriends aren't going to be interested in, you know, dads or other folks of the family might not be encouraging. Yeah, they want to keep you all to your all to themselves. I'm thinking boyfriend. They want you all to themselves. They're not really interested in seeing you out being. um, Um. encouraging you know you're just encouraging everyone to be excited about the game but that's not what they're seeing and uh, they don't know they don't want to share you with all of that so um yeah i understand how that works yeah yeah
0: and so you did ban in high school but you didn't do cheerling until college that's right yeah that's right okay <laughs> Yeah. What advice would you give to someone who's wanting to go out for a cheer or dance team, but maybe feels like they are, you know, discouraged from
1: what their friends or family might
0: think? Yeah.
1: Um, I, it's kind of a, like a question a young lady asked me. I was giving a speech to fourth graders and she came up afterwards and she says, I'm really interested in learning how to fly airplanes. She says, but my mother will not let mm-hmm. me get into an airplane, not ever let me train. And I said, first of all, I mean, I know what she thought I was going to answer, but I was like, first of all, you need to do what your mother wants you to do. You need to do what your parents want you to do as long as you're living at home. You are not an adult yet. So you do and understand and learn what you're supposed to be learning right now. And then when you go off to college or you go off to make, um, make decisions about what you're going to do with your life, then you start making those decisions for yourself. It's going mm-hmm. to be at a point where other people can no longer make that decisions for your uh, decisions for you. You are now an adult, and once you can call yourself an adult, you make those decisions. You want to mm-hmm. go out for a cheerleading, you do that. Mm-hmm. You also, and I say this for folks that are going into to want to be an entrepreneur, you go into this knowing that you are also going to be working somewhere in order to support yourself. You're not going to go off and do something that you can't feed yourself because you've decided that I'm an adult now and I'm going to do this. Can you help me? It's like, no, you are, you're an adult. You're going to take care of yourself. You're going to get into something that you love and -hmm. you're going to, and you're going to train and work to be the best you can be. You're just going to have to wait until you get out of the circumference of those people that actually have control over your life. And if you're not making your own money, you're not making your own decisions. Uh you're just gonna have to follow the rules as far as who, who is making those decisions right now. Just do it.
0: And yeah. then grow
1: up <laughs> and get going. Go get yeah. go do what you what it is you
0: wanted to do. Right. And I think that's that's such great advice and doesn't mean that you can't start young. I mean you're still you still may be under you know your parents' house if you're very young and you know, under 18 or whatever adult age is where you live, but you can start making a plan as soon as you know you have something and a passion that you want to, you know, pursue, and so I think just make your plan, and even if you are living at your parents' house right now, and you're, you're they're paying your bills and everything, like, once you move out, once you have your own responsibilities, you've already had that plan, and you can go for it, so. I, um, nice. I, I,
1: I tell folks it, it's funny it's when I grew up an only child and don't think that that was luxury <laughs> I had two people focused on me 24/7 right oh yeah move and um so I made this plan um probably I don't know ninth 10th grade I go I'm running away from home I'm I'm done with this place right they go how can I do that how can I afford to do that okay I know I'm gonna go to school work really hard get into college and I'm gone. They're they're not going to see me again. I'm gone out of here. It's like, you know what? That's exactly what your parents want you to do. (laughs) It's like, I had a plan, right? My plan was I'm getting out of here. You know, I'll show them (laughs) that's exactly what, what you have to do. You plan ahead. You do what you have to do in order to make yourself a success when you get that opportunity to make all that happen.
0: Mm-hmm. And sometimes the plan doesn't go the way you want it to go, but you just have to know, like, if you have something inside of you and you know, that's what you want to do, you just have to go for it and know that if you have a plan, it might not go as planned and you have to plan for whatever happens after that, you know? So every
1: plan has a roadblock It's oh, yeah. built in it to find out whether or not you're serious. So expect it. It's only the people that don't expect it that are surprised and give up. Yeah. But the rest of us know, or, you know, I, what I've been through, the rest of us know that if you have a plan and it's not working out, it's not because the plan wasn't correct. It's because you need to come at it in a different direction. Because if it were easy, anybody could do it. Yeah. <laughs> we would all be doing it. So you sure. have to understand that there is some sort of sacrifice and, and hard work that goes into it. And once you hit the brick wall, you should just say, Yay you know, because I knew this was happening. So now I can, you know, go, go around it in another way, go over it, go through it, whatever it is, but I'm going to, I'm still going to get to my destination. I will figure out how to do it another way. And there are all sorts of of options available.
0: Yeah. Such great advice. Thank you so much for that. Okay. Now I want to get into your amazing career as a history-making pilot. So I, I I remember reading about you know when you were nine years old. Um, that's when you decided you wanted to be a pilot. What what prompted you to do that? And what is, was it a certain moment that you you know want, like you made that decision?
1: Yeah, um, nine years old. I knew that I wanted to get into aviation. Mm-hmm. And when I was a, a kid, we would all go to the airport to pick up someone, a passenger that you know uh, that's coming to visit. So you go all the way to the gate and they roll the stairs up to the airplane and all of these people come out of the airplane. And it's like, you know, this, the people walking down the stairs were like the coolest people ever on the planet to me that they had just ridden in an airplane from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now they're getting off the airplane and I go, not only do I want to be on that airplane. But I want to be on an airplane all the time, not just to travel as a traveler. I want to be on that airplane. So uh, that was I. That was at nine years old. But now I'm look. Now I'm going to do my research. You know, I'm, I've got to get out of here, right? I'm going to do my research and figure out how I'm going to get into aviation. Well, women didn't fly airplanes. I didn't know that. That's not true. But that's all the information I ever had. Nobody ever told me that women flew airplanes, and so therefore. It did not occur to me it wasn't that i would oh shucks i you know i wish i could fly the airplane it never occurred to me to fly an airplane that you know i didn't i didn't think that that was something that i would do yeah so i thought that i i tell people now it's like i thought that if i got an a a job with the airlines i would run up the stairs and turn right and do my job and turn right is to go into the cabin area of the airplane i never knew that i would run up the stairs and turn left to do my job. I mean, that is like the most ironic thing ever. Mm-hmm. So uh, and that, came, that didn't come uh, uh, about until many years later. As a matter of fact, I didn't even see a woman pilot until I had a flight instructor when I was in uh, a Dowling College. I, I got my private pilot's license while I was there. So one of my instructors was a, was a woman. And even then, I didn't think of it. You know, it's like, it's not like I see her as a woman and go, oh my god, a woman mm-hmm. pilot. I just saw her as, oh my god, Did I study for this, you know, for this flight or not? You know, (laughs) I was worried about bigger things than who I was flying with, you know? So it all really didn't sink in. And then when I did get my private pilot's license, I was qualified to do nothing. You can't get hired as a private pilot to do anything. You Mm -hmm. have to go on and get other ratings and get more flight time and do other things. And then you start to qualify for the things that people want to hire you for. And they're going to hire you to carry passengers. And I wanted to add one thing to it. I don't teach uh, kids. I don't teach people that have never been in an airplane. I am an instructor mm-hmm. for advanced pilots who uh, that fly passengers and they have to come for initial like they've, they've never flown this airplane or they've just never flown with us. My, the company that I fly with, uh, that I work for right now is called Flyright, And we work through uh, um, full motion simulators. So they come to us for training every year, whatever it is. So I'm, a, I'm teaching adults that not, that are not expecting to see me mm. as their instructor. And I love it. I mm. love it because we get down to business and I teach them everything I know about aviation. And they're good at it when we get done. But that's, the, that's how I got into aviation, how I got into the Navy and military. I wasn't going into the Navy. There is no, it was not the Navy. I wasn't going into the military. Those people wear uniforms and march. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to do with that. But I, as an aeronautics student, I was having a lovely life. I was not in ROTC, that was for them, they were- <laughs> right? So it's like, all right, I'm not in ROTC, but I am an aeronautics. I got a bachelor's of science in aeronautics and I was flying at the same time and I got my private pilot's license. So this is all great stuff. But I, was, I had my other foot in the real world where I had friends, and I was a cheerleader, and I was actually semi-popular, <laughs> you know. <I> have <laughs> a, a boyfriend, you know, but I was kind of semi-popular, and I was on the cotillion court. All of a sudden, people even knew my name. That never even happened to me in my life. So I just, I just enjoyed that world. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, then the, the military showed up, start talking to all of the uh, the folks in uh, all of the students from uh, aeronautics. They come there. To get their, you know, the, to get their people, and I wasn't even going to go. So somebody sent the dean, sent a student to my dorm room to tell me to come to a meeting I already knew about that I needed to get down there, you know, to be present because I needed to see this briefing. Which I just thought, I, I didn't, I stayed away for a reason. And then once I heard everybody's, uh, what everyone had to say, and the Navy said um, you have to have a science, a degree. And a flight background. And I had all of those. And by the way, guys didn't have to have either one of those. They had to have a degree uh, to go into the military. You had to be a degree, had to get a degree to become an officer. But uh, for the guys, they didn't have to have all of those credentials. For the women, we did. They hired 10 women a year in the Navy. All the other services had their their excuses and reasons why um, they couldn't hire me right then. Mm. Um, Black people were new females were new. Mm-hmm. And so they just weren't ready. It, it was called affirmative action. Yeah. Overqualified for them to even look at me. Mm-hmm. So um the Navy said if you can get through uh, basic training, you go straight to flight school. And uh they had a program that that uh, the uh, uh everybody already did. It's just that they hadn't didn't have women in this program at all. And so now they had to put women in the same barracks. Is all of the guys because we're doing the same thing they couldn't separate us out they couldn't train us separately mm-hmm. and the navy was like oh my god what are we going to do with these women how, how are we going to where's the bathrooms you know i mean they were really worried about bathrooms <laughs> it was a real big thing uh so that so that that was how i actually got into the military part of it and the, the people the the recruiters that told me that i was going into the navy they go do you know that when you go into the Navy, you're going to be the first black woman to ever to ever do this. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's great. But I also knew or, or realized that I couldn't get all swept up with that because all I had to do was fail. Easy to fail. It was so easy to fail. All I had to do was fail. One thing, I'd be gone, poof, and nobody would have known I was there so for me to even get uh, wrapped around the axle about uh, being the first it it never occurred to me and i had to go i went so many years of training before i actually got to the part where i was actually the first black woman pilot you know with wings and um by that time i got so used to uh, ignoring it (laughs) that it was only a big deal to everybody but me i i I did not see that as a thing so (laughs) that's me and and uh, my first opportunity in the navy but yeah that's how I wow
0: got so really so cool such a great story and it seems like you got into the navy off of kind of happenstance you said somebody knocked on your door right and one point in
1: front of the other yeah because i wasn't going that was so weird everything right. that i was not going to do that's what i did <laughs> yeah it's so
0: ironic how life works out like that, right?
1: It does. It does. You have to have your eyes open and, and willing to, to listen to things that come at you, you know, whether you're planning on it or not, because you just yeah. never know.
0: none what you were explaining, um, I think it's the same of what I read. You said you were one of five women, or I read you were one of five women studying aeronomics out of 2,000 students at Dowling College, right? Mm-hmm. And were you the first black woman? were you the only black woman in that program?
1: Yes, yes,
0: wow. <laughs> and,
1: yeah, and, you know, and I didn't even notice because um mean, i I was, but um I the school I grew up in my my high school, uh, mm-hmm. uh, all the way from elementary school through uh, through graduation was predominantly white. I grew up in an integrated neighborhood, and I went to a predominantly white school, and I kind of look at it as as um, United Nations. You know, everybody was cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's stuff going on in the background, but I was too young to understand or care. All I know is I had my friends and they were all colors. You know, my my best friend was uh, 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 Ken Robinson. His last name was Robinson. My name was Robinson. I called him my cousin. We hung (laughs) out all the time. You know, a white guy with all his white friends and we all played um, uh, hockey on the street. You know, I mean, that's just, that was just normal. Uh, stuff for us so when I left home that's when I got introduced to the whole world that says what are you doing here yeah. it's like a black person in a, in a school of white kids I'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> did that seem any like because <laughs> you, well, you,
0: you said you came from like an integrated neighborhood and a uh, community so was it any was it it wasn't really any different when you got to college or was it is um, it was it different because people were telling you how you know important that was or how
1: history making it was no, or was but, it no, not really and I didn't notice it because I don't I don't really don't pay attention to history not that much but um uh, it it took a while for me to even realize that how many women were even in the program and then th- that I was the only black woman uh, that didn't phase me uh, at all now we had like two hundred some odd black students in the uh, in the college and that was like the most black people i'd ever seen in one time i was like oh this is so cool <laughs> you know, my students they were all coming from the city and they they did not grow up in a predominantly white school so they were uncomfortable and i'm like why are you uncomfortable you know uh you, you guys go worry about that you know because i had so much work to do that i didn't have time to worry about that so and i was watching them struggle <laughs> and um and, and that's how i realized it was like home was was the United Nations and here is what the world is like you know Mm -hmm. everybody's struggling um, because they're not they don't look like each other and I didn't have time to deal with it because I was all you know I was always studying and it's funny because um, I didn't consider myself the smartest person all I knew is that in order for me to do what you're doing you know what another student is doing I just had to study twice as hard and when you you ask for anything that you want to get into if you want to get into it bad enough you're gonna work on it, right? And you're gonna work really hard. So I always said that the students, uh, we finish class on Friday. I go to my room and I start studying, so that by the time Monday comes around, the students that went home and did nothing and came back, you know, to the aeronautics classroom, they're sitting in the classroom. I'm sitting in the classroom, and I know just as much as they do. Yeah, <laughs> I studied all weekend to get there, because that because it was not easy stuff for me so i just worked i just worked hard you know and i and i knew that i was going to do so that foot one foot in front of the other it's like i was actually too busy trying to just keep up and do what i was supposed to do uh, mm-hmm. to worry about you know how everybody uh, else was what was going on and how other people saw me now i will say in the background <laughs> um my um how do i not call people out my father had to come up to the college to um, um, have a come to Jesus meeting with people that had had something to do with my education and to make sure that I was being fairly treated because he knew that I was not, that I was being left out of things when I should have been included. And he said, if I ever have to come back up here again to make you do your job, there's going to be a little bit of a problem. And that's mm-hmm. the kind of man he was. He did that at my high school too. They're going to put me in the secretarial pool when I was in, in high school. And he's planning on me going to college. Or the, he goes to the school to say, are these the courses that she needs to go to college? And they're like, well, well she's like I hadn't thought about that. It was like, well, you think about it and get her out of those nonsense classes and get her into some classes that she's going to need to go to school. Well, the same thing happened in college. Again, I'm not paying attention to it. So having a mentor or having somebody who's actually watching your back that appears to be something that still happened, you know, still, and even, you know, back then, that still had to happen because uh, they weren't watching out for me. So I wasn't getting the the best of what I needed to, to get to, uh, to graduate properly. And then I, you know, and all of a sudden I did. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's, that's really interesting because I was just talking to one of my friends and about the same thing that happened in high school for us and our parents kind of stepping up and, you know, they knew that we weren't getting included or fairly treated and taking the right classes when they knew we could have been taking honors classes or something. And so shout out to parents and fathers and mothers who do that, you know, that they know they see something in their child, they know their child is, is gifted and they, you know, go up and they say, hey, you need to treat this the way, you know, they're supposed to be treated. So I, that's that's really great that your father did that also wanted to ask you because you mentioned you studied so much and you were always studying Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure you always had your head in the book somewhere how did you how did you balance that with cheerleading in college because I know you said cheerleading is kind of like your outlet Mm -hmm. but I come across a lot of women who um You know, it's hard for them to balance their work life or school with training to be a pro or training to cheerlead or dance. So what did you do? How did you balance that? Because I'm
1: sure you were always super busy. Yeah, well, uh, cheerleaders in that respect was perfect for the, the pressure and the stress that I was under. Now, what you're talking about is an elevated, higher, more professional level than what was going on in school, now uh, in college. Now, I will tell you that I never even got to the varsity cheerleading squad. I went straight to the uh, I mean uh, the junior varsity. I went straight to the varsity. Wow. And I have no qualifications. With no experience. No experience wow. to be a varsity cheerleader. Now, then and now I couldn't do splits. I couldn't do back flips. So there are some things that I, I was getting away with, but this is what I, I did the, I went to the uh, back then it was it was open. I went to practice the the varsity cheerleaders had um, cheerleading practice. I always wanted to be a cheerleader. Right. So I go to practice. I'm standing over in the corner. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I can do that. You know, I'm, I'm sitting in. There. Uh, this is so great. I'm loving it. Um, I spent a summer with my cousin out in um, she, her parents were in the Air Force. So I spent a, a summer with her. She was in school and they, and she was a cheerleader. So I got to go to all of her classes and we I did cheerleading with them. So I brought back with me a cheer that I had learned there, which was was, you know, I thought it was great. It was quite exciting. It was all the rage, that particular cheer. So I brought I came back the following year after being in the corner back there doing stuff. And um, I said, oh, I have this really cool chair I would like to show you. And I'm not even a member, right? I'm not even part of this. So they recognized me, you know, they put up with me. And so I showed them this chair that I was doing and they liked it. So they uh, they incorporated it. And at the end of that particular year, so I can't remember which, which one it was, they said, all right, we have cheerleading tryout practice, they do that all the time, junior and varsity, everybody, even if you are a cheerleader, you have to uh, qualify. So uh, you're gonna have to uh, to sign up to qualify. And I'm thinking, man, now I'm going to have to figure out how to, you know, get on, you know, now to actually get in there uh, uh, legally. And so now they wanna divide up the, the new recruits to learn some of these cheers so they can perform it and prove to us or, you know, prove to the, the folks that they can actually be a cheerleader. And um, so they put some of the varsity cheerleaders and go, okay, you know, go out and take that group of people, go out and take that group of people. Brenda, take go out and take those people. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> 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 so like, they told me to go out and show these newbies um, some of these cheers. I'm like, that is an in. That is an in. you know? So I... <laughs> I could do all of the cheers they did, I mean, you know, like I said, not the splits, not the flips, Um, but they didn't do that many of them, so I was like, this is so cool, and I'm teaching them this very other, this other cool cheer that I have, so I kind of backdoored this whole thing, because I was yeah. so enthusiastic, that I loved it so much, that there wasn't anything that they could do that I didn't know, when I was in high school, I knew all those cheers too,
0: yeah,
1: nobody to come out on the floor and do them, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, wow. so that's how into it. It's like, I wasn't qualified to do any of that. And there I was they were asking me to, to, uh, to join them. And so I tried out and, uh, and I was there, I went straight to varsity when I, when that happened. So.
0: Yeah. Listen to that. everyone. <laughs> Just because you don't feel like you're qualified doesn't mean that you shouldn't go out and try. You might have something that somebody else doesn't have that they need on the team. So you don't have to have the splits or, you know, the, the, the flips just do your best and, you know, you never know what might happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Such good advice. Um, So I just want to go back to, you know, you said that, you know, you, your dad noticed that you weren't being included sometimes in any, you know, things at school when it came to your career and your, your studies. Um, Were there any, do you, did you feel like there were any other challenges that you faced or adversity because, of the small representation that was in your field in your major, or because you were a black woman, Be- my my take is that you didn't feel um, like your path was any different, but I would like, you know, I would just like to
1: know, did you feel like that? Um, No, I am gonna say uh, no, but uh, I couldn't afford not to show up to a class, you know, the black chick's not here. I- She's not here. I can see that she's not here, right? Mm-hmm. Or if I do show up, it's like, oh yeah, she's, you know, everybody knows that I'm here. It's like, I can't be absent, you know. Like <laughs> everybody yeah. always knew if I was there or if I wasn't there, you know. It's yeah. easy, easy head count. So it's like I I wasn't invisible. I, you know, yeah. I I couldn't I couldn't hide any place. I couldn't stand in the back of the crowd and get away with anything. I was always right right there where they can see me. So um that was interesting, but um uh now the, uh, the, I just remember, or very little, but I remember that the classes were difficult enough that or interesting enough that they they kept me busy that I didn't worry about the students at all. Now mm-hmm. my roommate and I, she came to the college just as I did, uh, I didn't say this um, because we were gonna be air traffic controllers. That is what oh. got me to the school. And uh, mm-hmm. so she and I were both in the aeronautics program because we're gonna to go to the top of our um, specialty by getting a degree and then going on to air track control. It's just that she did and I didn't. I, I got sidetracked and, and did something else. Um, the school decided that the, that they were gonna start a fraternity, and, uh, for an aeronautics fraternity. I don't know if they ever, ever did that, but they were gonna start one. So she and I were going to join the fraternity because it was like, there were no other women. To uh, to do anything uh, separate, we're not going to do anything different. So we're supposed to join this fraternity, go through their their knucklehead hazing, and be a part of this organization and group, and run around and do stuff that that may may or may not have anything to do with aviation or airplanes. And we kind of like looked at ourselves one day and like, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. this doesn't look like any fun. You know, (laughs) that I really want to be a part of this. And um, so we both just kind of went, no, nope. we went on with something else. So we didn't even join that. So I don't even remember hanging out with uh, the the uh, aeronautics students, not not on anything unless it was classroom related. So mm-hmm. we were off in our own direction. So I had my yeah. own friends. They had a cheerleading. We had basketball games and stuff like that. So I, I felt as though I was firmly um, established inside of the college as far as you know uh, being a part of what's really going on in the college. Whereas even the aeronautics building was completely separate from the rest of the college.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um. Wow. So I wanna ask you, how do you feel? I know you said, we we touched on how cheerleading was an, an outlet for you. Do you think, or how do you think cheering has helped you in your aviation career or has it helped you at
1: all? Well, it, um, let me just say that I just wish that I had it, I had the option to be a cheerleader always, because mm-hmm. it just kind of kept me in balance. And um, when, uh, and, and trust me, s- stress is high in aviation, especially when you're training. And it would just be so nice to have something as cool as that kind of outlet, you No. Know, like I said at the very beginning, I can't understand why people can put on a on song and then still be sitting in their seat. I yeah. don't understand that, you know. Same. So, <laughs> that makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> so I want to be able to get up. I want a ton of people to be able to get up and and do, you know, line dancing. It's like, all right, I'll I'll, I'll settle for <laughs> line dancing. You know, it's like line dancing is as close as we can get. A little clap. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's so, the
0: easy one that's the that's easy the part one,
1: yeah <laughs> so um i do i i wish that i was closer so that's when i met you and you said that you were you instructed cheerleading i was like oh my god that's like the coolest thing ever because <laughs> that is like the natural uh way of expressing um yourself and just being having fun and stress relief and all of these things at one time and it just kind of gives me a bubbly personality. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Find it fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Can you tell us about
0: maybe one of your favorite or most memorable missions as a Navy pilot or American
1: Airlines Airlines pilot? Hmm, Okay. Um, Well, uh, I did fly 12 different airplanes and I will say like missions I I taught um, uh, brand new Navy pilots had, they hadn't even touched an airplane. They weren't like me. I had to have my license. They hadn't even touched an airplane and I was training those guys down in Pensacola. Mm-hmm. Um, I was flying a twin engine uh, prop airplane out in Guam and I was uh, training uh, other pilots to fly that airplane. And I, and I was a unit evaluator, which means I gave check rides and, and whatnot to keep everybody um, uh, uh, up to uh, um, uh, qualified. Uh, I flew VIPs out of DC. You had to be four star and above to even get on the airplanes. And I was flying a a, a Sabreliner jet and a, a Gulfstream jet and uh, congressmen, senators, uh, the Navy, uh, Navy uh, the Secretary of the Navy and all of those important folks. And I was flying a DC-9 during uh, Desert Storm, Desert Shield and Desert Storm and flying throughout out the Middle East and um, uh, other detachments around the planet. So I flew a lot of places. And so I can't say that I have a favorite, but I will say um, that I, the first squadron that I ever had, I didn't even mention it. I flew onto aircraft carriers in a carrier onboard delivery airplane. We called them the COD and we support, supported the the ships with uh, cargo and mail and we had seats for passengers. So as soon as the ship pulls away from dock, they still need everything they needed three minutes ago. So uh, our job is just to keep the steady flow of things going on and off the ship. And that's what I was doing. So for three years, I was landing on aircraft carriers. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I just find that a little bit more interesting when I talk to folks, because the first question I got, well, you know, wasn't that a fearful job? Weren't you afraid of doing that? And so I have a, a, a speech to give here in a, in a few days to some college students. And I always talk about fear because um, I, I have no fear as long as I'm not doing something stupid like walking around a dark alley, alley, alley at night by myself, you know, like, that's, that's fearful. Um, <laughs> I don't have any real fear if I'm not being stupid um, mm-hmm. because, uh, because I, and I don't have to be brave and um, I don't have to have courage. How you land on aircraft carriers is nothing but practice. So anything that you are fearful of, you do it over and over and over and over again. It's called training. That's what we do for missions, we train. So in the military, we got used to training. So if there's something that we have to do even to civilians and other folks, that looks dangerous. That, you must be afraid to do that. But it's like, how can you be afraid if you've done it a hundred times, a thousand times, you know, 10,000 times? You drive your car from point A to point B. You know, the first day you got into a car might have been a little intimidating, but now you don't even remember the three stop signs and four lights that you had to stop at. You're so busy, you know, you've been doing this for a while. Well, we don't do this, you know, outside of our mind or anything, but when we fly and we do things that are mission intensive, we train. That's why we're not fearful. And Mm -hmm. if you're fear of a person, it's because you don't know that person. You've never gotten to know that person. You know, unless you know something that we don't, right? So all of these things that we build up in ourselves, I'm fearful of. I'm fearful of flying on an airplane as a passenger. Well, why not? You didn't take the the, uh, several million dollars worth of training that I've taken in order to fly that airplane. So of course you're fearful. Mm -hmm. So uh, when when people talk about fear, I don't have any fear because I know that if I am fearful about something, it means that I haven't studied hard enough. Mm. You know, you know that in in class. You, you can't get, you can't sleep at night. You know, you have this test coming up. Why is it you can't sleep? Cause you didn't study hard enough. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so that's, what's going on with that. And so that's, so that's, yeah. So those, those are the airplanes that I flew. So yeah, some of those lessons, uh, those lessons I learned when I was uh, in uh, airlines, I flew different air, three different airplanes, 727, 757 and 767, 767 is a wide body. 757 is a narrow body, but we fly them both at the same time. So we never know which airplane we're going to end up in. So I used to fly transcons from Kennedy to the West Coast someplace uh, constantly. So that that was my my job. I did that for 17 years and then I retired from American Airlines. So this is yeah, so every, every squadron and everything that I've ever done was just unbelievable. Wait, what? Is I I was doing that? I do have a picture there, you know, of doing something like that because all of them were quite interesting. But yeah, you know, i think landing on aircraft carriers. I was just sorry that I didn't have a way of videotaping it to show my parents what I was doing, although that would have frightened them
0: terribly. So can but, you explain that a little bit, the aircraft carrier? So you're landing kind of, is that, okay, so I watched Top Gun recently. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the, the movie, the, the newer one. You seen it? Yes. Uh huh. So is it like you're landing on a boat? Yes. Or is that, that's the
1: aircraft carrier. Okay. That's the aircraft carrier. Yeah. And um, um, what most people don't realize is when you're landing on a carrier, the uh, the carrier itself is what you see when you're looking at the movies that you think the pilots are looking at in order to land. What they're looking at is uh, on the side of the ship. It's called the Fresnel lens. And it's just a great big uh, ball, an orange ball that rolls up and down. And when it gets uh, when it's in the center, it's green. When it's to the top, it's yellow. When it's below where it's supposed to be, it's red. Our job, like a video game, is to keep it in the center and keep it green. And we adjust mm-hmm. our power setting and our nose attitude all the way in in order to land on a ship. And it will take you right down to touchdown if you keep your eye, keep your eye on the ball. Right. So yeah. all the way down to the ship, we are studying that ball. That's what we practice. We go out to outline fields and 400 landings later. That's what we have been practicing, keeping our eye on that ball. So what the ship is doing, immaterial, all right? Our mm-hmm. job is not to land short, uh, you know, cause that'll kill you. <laughs> and if you go high, you're gonna miss the the cable and we call it a wire. And we have a hook that catches the wire. If you're too high, you're not gonna catch that wire. So our job is to always keep it in the green uh, on down to landing. And that's how we touch down on the ship. Now, I told my cousin, that I landed on the ship and she wanted to know what was my first landing on the ship like. And I'm thinking I've just done 400 landings on a, on a field. And then I, you know, and it did landings on a ship. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't remember the ship, you know, because it was exactly the same as every single landing that I had already done Mm practice doing this over and over again. And then I'm telling her I'm not looking at the ship, right. I'm looking, you know, I'm looking over at the lens. She didn't hear the lens part. I'm looking at the lens. I don't remember that particular landing. She told everyone for 30 years. Brenda closed her eyes on landing, and I'm like, "That's not what, what? I said. <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> so what I did, that's not what, what I said." i was like, "How many people did you tell that over the 30 years that, that you have known this?" And she was hmm. telling people that I was that um, that I wasn't looking at the ship. When I was landing, like, okay, well, I, I needed to describe that just a little bit better. But yeah, it is, it is uh, we, we train and we do things that people don't realize what we're doing. Now, the airplane I flew was not high performance. The more high performance airplanes, they do have a way to, um, to, uh, uh, to actually connect up autopilot wise with the glide path that comes on, down onto the ship but that's not a given. That thing's not going to uh, land on the ship for you. you mm-hmm. st- the pilot still has to land on the ship and they're going a lot faster than I was going. And when they land, they have to land at max power because mm-hmm. they don't know at that, that fraction of a second that they touched down if they actually caught the hook. They won't know mm-hmm. until some young man runs out in front of them with wands telling them you know, to, to hold your brakes, and It's like <laughs> brave people, right? Um, yeah. If they miss that wire, off they go. They're they're mm-hmm. flying already. Whereas on my airplane, kind of the same thing. If I miss the wire, I'm flying again. But uh, when uh, when I land, I had to chop the power. You know That was like the weirdest, nobody even does that anymore. But I would mm-hmm. have to chop the power when I land because we had instantaneous power in my airplane. And if I did miss the hook, I could add enough power and take off again. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. how crazy my airplane is. They don't have that airplane anymore <laughs> wow so
0: is landing
1: harder than taking off in your opinion Yeah. yes yes okay. landing is harder, harder than taking off and most times uh, uh in, the, in the movies you still see all cat shots they will yeah. they will actually shoot that airplane off the ship and the airplane i i flew was it was so old that we didn't like to have it shot off the ship because it would have just rattle it to death right so um, yeah, it's flying before it, it takes off from the ship and then it just shoots you into the air and your airplane is supposed to pick up and continue flying from there. Um, um, but our airplane was so um, uh, um, uh, it worked so well with the with the carrier. can't I can't describe how we we did it. We did deck runs. Uh, okay. We don't do nobody does deck runs anymore. So we go to the back of the ship, turn around, and take off <laughs> We mm. do some calculating to figure out that we have enough wind we have enough distance and the weight of our airplane is proper but the funny thing is if it's a big ship we would send one airplane down to the back of the other carrier turn it around send a second airplane down to the back of the carrier in front of the other airplane and turn that around and send a third one down in front of that one so there's three airplanes sitting there ready to go they max power and take off now if i'm the one who's in the third airplane the one all the way at the back I don't have anything to worry about. It's like, if the first two can get up, then I have no, no doubt going yeah. to take off. And we're the only ones that did deck runs. They don't do deck runs anymore. Not, not that I know of. Is that, so you don't have like
0: a full runway with a deck run. It's kind of just, they just yeah. shoot up. That, there.
1: No, it's a short runway. And we short don't know, okay. no cat shot on that. We just actually add max power, hold the brakes, release the brakes and take off down the the deck to get enough airspeed to take, to, uh, to leap into the air.
0: Wow. I think it's also so interesting. Oh,
1: I did have a picture of that. Um, Oh, you did a picture of me landing on a carrier. I have that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think it's so interesting. Even when you were talking about landing that you're just looking at that little ball. I had no idea. Like you're not even looking at the, the ground or the runway or whatever, whatever it's
1: called. Like that's,
0: Amazing. You can't look
1: at the ship deck because the ship deck is always moving. It's moving up and it's okay. moving down, right? The ship is moving forward, but it is being bounced around by whatever the waves are. Sometimes it's smooth. Sometimes yeah. it's different. and sometimes the, the ship uh, is coming up at the same time. Your airplane is coming down, right? Mm. Sometimes the air, the ship is going down at the airplane. Same time, your airplane's coming down. The The ball is the only thing telling you where the ship is and you need to be on that glide path in order to make that two pieces of math work together. Wow, keeping your eyes on the prize. Keeping your eyes on that ball, because if you're looking at the deck, you're just like, oh no, you're gonna, you're gonna actually, you look at the deck and you're going to just do a um, a wave off uh, Mm. on your own because uh, it's like, it, it won't make sense when you're looking at the deck itself. Yeah,
0: you talk about fear and you say, you know, you, You never really had fear unless you were you know put yourself in a fearful situation when you first got into a plane were you were you feel fearful did you feel like you were prepared enough or like
1: how did you handle that situation yeah you're 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 gonna automatically be stressed Mm -hmm. yeah so you you do have to work through the stress because the whole time you're in an airplane you're no one ever lets you loose until they know that you you are qualified so the whole time you're in the airplane you are being bombarded with information. It's constant information. Mm-hmm. So from the moment you, well, I take it you Before you get into the airplane, you go through all the ground school information to even tell you what is an airplane and mm-hmm. every part of the airplane and every system in the airplane. And if the system fails, what do you do about that failure? How do you fix that failure? You know. And once you understand that and, and sometimes even take a written exam, then they allow you to sit in the airplane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You sit there and then you learn all of the switches and everything that you've already learned you know, in your ground school portion of it. Now, you know everything there is to know about that airplane and you haven't even taken off yet. So mm-hmm. now it's the 3D part of it. You take off and you're flying around. Uh, when I do take a, a, a person um, uh, on a flight, you can teach them in five minutes how to fly the airplane. It's just a 3D uh, video game kind of uh, situation. It takes five minutes. To teach you how to fly in the 3d world you know so the airplane's flying it takes 95 percent of your training to learn how to fly that airplane in case of a malfunction so flying an airplane is not difficult taking care of all of the possible things that could happen in that airplane that's what you train on and then when you can prove to someone that you know all of the answers to all of the questions then they will allow you to go on a solo. So they, you know, they test you out on a solo. And the solo for me was was kind of uh, fun. I didn't know it was coming because they knew that I would have passed out if I had known before I got in the airplane that I was going to solo that day. Oh, but yeah. I, get, I take off. I'm doing a flight. I'm land, and I'm you know doing touch and goes. And the instructor says, "Okay, bring it to a full stop." And I'm like, oh, "What did I do? <laughs> it was like, oh, what did I screw up?" It's like, okay, I get down. I land. Instructor gets out of the airplane, shuts the door and goes, OK, you're going to do three uh, loops through the, you know, a uh, passes through the um, pattern and touching and goes and then come to a full stop. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so I'm thinking uh, I didn't know it was coming, but I knew all the stuff. And no matter what I was doing, I heard all of his words. As soon as, you know, whatever, if I was turning, if I was adding power, if I was looking from left to right, if I was checking the horizon, I was looking at the wind sock, you know, all of this stuff. I could hear him talking, all right, added the power. All right, raise the nose. Okay, I didn't have to raise my gear or anything, but that would have been a, a normal thing. Once. <laughs> you know, and then all of the stuff that I had to do for flying in that pattern, what altitude I had to level off, who I had to call on the radio, what was I gonna say? What was my ba- angle of bank? What was my airspeed? What was the power setting for that? What, what am I going to do on with? You know, I was like, all of this stuff going through my head. And then all of a sudden I realized I was doing this all by myself. All mm-hmm. of those words were, were in my head. And yeah. yet I was flying it. And then the coolest thing was like, instructor's nice. Yeah, it's so quiet. <laughs> it's, it's like it's just me in the car. air. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is so beautiful. And, and I'm flying, but I wasn't thinking about the fact, and I'm flying. I mean, I was mm-hmm. doing what I'm supposed to do, but I was just enjoying the quiet and the beauty. And it's yeah. like this is what aviation is all about, right here. So yeah, the solo was my first opportunity to go, yeah, I just I picked the right thing, you know, I'm I'm loving this. And so Sweet. yeah. I did you know, my landing's still full stop and that is a solo. And then you still have more training to do. You have cross-country training to do and cross-country solos to do, you know, navigation work and, and all of those other things that have to come out next. So, yeah, that was, you know, the beginning. So, yeah, you get apprehensive because I haven't done this before, but nobody's going to let you go until you have done it over and over and over again to their mm. satisfaction.
0: Yeah. Did you ever have any, like, Frightening moments or scary moments where you were like, I gotta really use my skills and you know, (laughs) like, detour or whatever it had to happen. Did that ever, um, yeah, your career?
1: Uh, not too many in my career. Uh, when I was a flight instructor down in Pensacola, I was, (laughs) I had one student try to kill me, but um, (laughs) oh wow, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, not not me, for, it wasn't about me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but uh, the students uh, uh, that uh, were brand new students were delight to teach because their actual, their life and their career depended on it. They didn't have time to go and, uh, and uh, you know, goof off and not study. They had to be ready for their flight every single day. And if I ask you a question, you better have an answer. And if I tell you to do something, you need to hit to incorporate that immediately so Mm -hmm. this is the kind of stuff that you know that's why i really enjoyed them because i didn't have to get them up to speed i didn't have to train them anything so here's a a brand new guy and um i you know had him for a few flights they call him the on wing so i have him for six flights he's my baby for six flights we're we're training and um, we went out on a flight that uh he he was going to do his takeoff so he does the takeoff. He climbs. He, you know, the nose comes up, and we're still in a the pattern. There's a whole bunch of other airplanes going around. You know, it looks like a beehive because we have <laughs> so many airplanes going every which way, and they're all the same little airplane, a uh, single uh, single engine prop. And you know, we're always wearing um, uh, parachutes. I mean, that's that's the kind of flying we're we're doing. Then, so um, we take off, and the nose goes up, and then it goes up, and it goes up, and it goes up, and I'm like, okay level off the nose, right? And nothing's happening. Nose going up, 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 up. Well, an airplane can't go straight up. After a while, it'll stall and then fall straight to earth if you don't do something about it. So he's sitting in front of me, I'm behind him and I'm I'm telling him, okay, level off, level off. So now it's like, why is he pulling back on, on? It actually it's a stick. Why is he pulling back on the stick? So now I'm pushing forward on the stick and I'm like, okay, let go, like' let, let go of the stick and I can't hear what he's doing because I have to take my hand off the stick, talk on the mic. And it's like, I can't hear what he's saying. I'm pushing forward, I'm like, let go off it, you know, let go, you know? And le- later on, I finally heard this little voice going, I don't have the controls. You know, he'd taken his hands off the stick a long time ago, you know? And I'm sitting there going, I'm just um, forcing it. And I'm in the middle of the pattern, everybody's flying level and I'm going like this. And so finally I realized as soon as I, I heard him say that I don't have the controls, I realized that there was nothing but nose up trim on that airplane. And because of that, I could reach down and trim the airplane like three, three, three handfuls of nose up trim, which uh, anybody who flies the airplane, they, they know what it, what trim is. And that was that's what holds the airplane up there. So I got the airplane leveled off. So that scared me actually. <laughs> I could Up until that moment, um, hearing that voice tell me I don't have the controls was the first inkling I had that, well, if he doesn't have it and I'm pushing all this forward, you know, that it was a trim issue. So I got the airplane level off, went around, landed. I did not want to go flying anymore that day. <laughs> I bet not. <laughs> he was completely blown away. You know, he was never going to see another airplane. He wasn't even going to get an airplane to fly home. You know, he was going to probably you know walk on. So it's was like, OK, you're going to go get something to drink you know, go go get some water and we're going to go back out and we're going to do this in about an hour. Okay. You know, it's like, you know, it's like you talk to him strong enough. and It's like, oh, okay. I guess we're doing that. (laughs) (laughs) So an hour later, we went back out and to do that. But um, yeah, that was the scariest thing that has ever happened to me. He got, he got bad information. He studied Mm -hmm. it that way because we chair fly. And he just, you know, he decided that when he took off, he has to go, (laughs) (laughs) i was like whoa where'd you get that no that's not what you're supposed to do oh. was, oh. but that yeah that was scary and nothing else that uh, made my heart palpitate like that and um, good little, little <laughs> things like that has happened i i lost um, an engine out of the ship on that on that oh. um cod, and i had a fire out of the ship on mm. that car but um we got we uh, got rid of the The uh, the fire just before landing because ships don't allow airplanes on flight fire to land on the ship. Yeah, oh my god, that was a mess. Yeah, and I was the aircraft aircraft commander, uh, and I had to land that airplane. I was like, oh my god, my airplane's on fire, and I'm landing on a ship. You know, good day.
0: (laughs) Two things you have to deal with. Wow, at the same time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but in that
0: that first situation, you like. Brenda to the rescue! I'm so glad. you oh. probably so glad that you were there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that, was sc- that was a scary one. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, I'm glad that that was like. I mean, I'm glad that was the only one. There weren't really others that were, you know, super right. frightening. Um. So it seems like you're a go getter, and I'm. Sure you are, as I've you know just talking to you in these in this uh, last hour. And if you want to go after something, you just go do it, which is, I I applaud you for that. So if somebody's listening and they wanted to follow their dream, but had no idea where to start, what advice would you tell them? What would you say, you know, this is where you should start. This is how you go about that.
1: Yeah. Um, I didn't know what the term was, but everybody, everybody on the planet needs a mentor somebody to guide you because they've already done it not only have they already done it they wrote a book about it you know they're giving away their information for free and yeah. they you know, they are delighted when somebody reads what they what they had to say or contacts them and says um, I need your advice on how do I you know how do I do that um, mm-hmm. uh, having somebody in to, that clears the way who's in front of all of the things that you can read to go through stops you from inventing the wheel. You know, we're all trying to do the same thing. So we're all reinventing it our way, making our mistakes, reinventing it again. Whereas if you had some sort of mentor or, or some organization or group or club or somebody that knows how this works, that's where you go first. And then the other part of it is, okay, now you have to start doing work. You know, we, we talked about study and learn what are the things that I have to know before I even get there? If they're going to take me seriously, um, what do I need to be able to do? What What's the language? What are the buzzwords of this this area that I wanna be in? You can learn that at home without anybody else knowing about it. You mm-hmm. can do your whole, your whole life in secret and nobody will know about it because you're studying the important things that you need to know ahead of time. And then, um, you know, cheerleading is a little different. You need to probably get in shape for that. So yeah. when I say get in shape, I mean to be able to handle the rigors of you know the the, um, the the running and jumping, you know, exercise part of it. You know, and and not get to the end of the uh, you know end of you know, half the, the 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 song and go, oh my god. <laughs> 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 I'll be right with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. You have the ability to hang in there. You know, exactly. bicycle, walking on a treadmill. You know, get yourself a little bit in shape so that when you start to talk to people about doing what it is you love, that you're at least getting to the point where you're teachable. You know, yeah. so between the the, um, the mentor and being teachable, uh, you you are a delight for anybody to want to to help, you know, and and tell you how to do things. I mean, that's a delight to me to have somebody who's interested in what I'm doing and sh- can show me that they've already even taken the first couple of steps in order to do it.
0: Yeah, such great advice. So good. So good. Thank you so much for that. I'm sure that's going to help a lot of people when they're deciding where to start. So last thing, um, and then I, I've enjoyed this conversation so much, but I want you to have a chance to talk about your aviation camps and can you just say like what it is and how does somebody join if they're interested? Are there certain qualifications? I'm sure there are, but yeah, can you just talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, the aviation camp that I have, uh, I consider it kind of unique because um, I take kids to an airport. And I bring in all kinds of professionals in different areas of aviation because being a pilot is not the only part of aviation. As a matter of fact, you can't do your job as a pilot without all of the other areas of aviation. So Mm. uh, I teach them, uh, I like to show them maintenance and air traffic control and uh, the civil air patrol, uh, they'll come in to my camp and uh, the, the police department of the, of the aviation unit, they will fly in to my camp. And then I've had all kinds of folks, the drones, um, uh, what, what was it? Uh, uh, well, this year we're gonna have um, TSA visit, you know, so we can see, you know, what they do in the back, what TCA actually does and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've had uh, FBI pilot, I didn't even know FBI had pilots, you know, yeah. so uh, inside information that I didn't know about, uh, all of these kind of things. I get to show the kids in one day, all of these different careers, uh, flight school, let them talk to, to uh, junior flight school, either students or instructors, what they do, how they got there, um, how to get into the airline, how to get into military, why would I want to do one or the other? You know, I teach yes. them all that stuff, but I do it all in one day. Even the Boy Scouts can get their aviation merit badge in one day at my camp because we cover all of the things that they need to see. The reason I started the camp is because I said a little bit about air traffic control. I went to an air traffic control tower in my 12th grade and I got on the platform of the, of the tower, which the tower is very high up. And then you can see like the entire horizon, uh, the whole landscape, cityscape. And I thought that that was the most marvelous view I had ever seen. And it's like the uh, the uh, air traffic controller wants to talk to me and tell me a few things, but I had to be quiet because you know the controllers were doing what they're doing. And it's a very quiet, quiet, um, nice mood kind of you know low lights. And they got screens, and then they you know they can see out over the runways and talk to pilots and stuff like that. And they can see the the airplanes on the scope. I thought that was the coolest thing I had ever seen. And in a New York minute, I decided that that's what I was gonna do for the rest of my life. I didn't need anybody to talk to me. It, it was as if if somebody came up to me and talked to me while I was looking at the air traffic control tower, I would have just said, don't say anything, <laughs> you know, because I'm taking it in, I'm seeing stuff. This is all I need. And for the aviation camp, talking to teenagers, they don't need a big production, they don't need a, um, a, a big speech show me what you have to show me and let me see if I'm interested in it or not. And sure enough, I saw this uh, air traffic control tower and I was hooked in less than five minutes. And that's what I do for the kids. I take them to the airport and I show them all of these things that they did not know existed in aviation. And sure enough, the kids one, one by one, they get hooked in different st- stuff they see that they didn't even know was a thing. And uh, And we do it all in one day there's some, there's some running, <laughs> running going yeah. around. We just, wow! yeah, I keep, I keep them busy. So um, adults get more out of the camp than the kids do, mm. but I don't allow that many adults in the camp because this is a kid's camp and I can't have them um, uh, surrounded by so many adults asking questions. I want the yeah. kids to see stuff and hear stuff and, and get to, um, to gather that in their, you know, in their life. However, um, Board of directors, anyone who's a board of director is always welcome to participate in any one of the camps. And they're all fun. Like this, uh, in April, I have a camp and they're all going to get simulator rides at flywright where I work. So mm-hmm. all the kids are going to go, and, and those are totally fun. And the instructors that I work with are on giving these rides, they enjoy it, you know, because they love kids. And so you know it's it's a it's a great combination, and different places have different things that I can use. I I flew an F eighteen in from uh, Virginia Beach, and uh, the kids were going to coming out of their skin waiting for that F eighteen to come in, you know, because they just thought that that was the greatest thing. Meeting the pilot, it was a, a black pilot who was the instructor, and he was bringing yeah. a student doing his cross country, and it was like the neatest thing to see these kids, you know, mix with a pilot that they would have never ever met before. Uh, under the wing of this great big F eighteen, mm. so uh, that's what the, the camp is all about. So we're always looking for board of directors that can help us uh, run the camp. You know, like um, uh, uh, accountants and legal uh, legal knowledge and background, and you know, folks that can that can actually contribute to making this camp work. Now, once in a while, we'll have uh, volunteers, and sometimes have a little little space left for a couple of parents to come in as chaperones. But uh, that's about it. We we keep the numbers kind of, kind of small. But if you are a board of director uh, or you are a volunteer that, that is doing work for us uh, months prior to the camp, uh, you can participate with us. So that is, that's as close as I can get to an adult camp. Someone asked me to have one, and I just couldn't get the participants, the ones that talk to the kids, to want to spend their time to come in to talk to adults mm-hmm. that already had jobs. Like, uh, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. Too busy. Yeah. Uh, but they'll talk to kids all day long. That's yeah. what's so so wonderful about them. I will say, if you ever do an adult camp, I will be signed up. <laughs> I know. I, you know, and every time I have a camp, I'm so happy just to be in it myself. Because I'll see stuff, learn stuff that I didn't even know know before. So it is great. It is absolutely a great place. And, um, and uh, I've had adults leave there and go straight to a flight school (laughs) and say, I want to sign up to learn how to fly, you know, because I'm seeing something that just actually just excites me. So that's, that's what I'm looking for. Wow. How can people find more information
0: about aviation camps or um, just more information about you in
1: general? Yeah, um, I I have all of that on my website and it's uh, one word is aviation camps. You know, that's yes. so on there. Uh, aviationcamps.org. We are a 5013C nonprofit, and um, we we uh, fundraise in order to make all of this work. And that's and we keep the price down. My board of directors keep trying to raise the price, but I keep the price down for the parents. And so I have to raise the money otherwise in order to make the camp run. Mm-hmm. So we do because and it's portable. I can have this camp anywhere in the nation. It's just that i have it here in the, in the charlotte reason because i live here yeah. but i can have it other places in the nation but those folks have to provide the, the students but mm-hmm. i i bring it i do everything that the that camp needs for them to see all of those different job descriptions
0: awesome and what is the the age limit one last question. like that not the age limit the age yeah. range i would say
1: yeah the age yeah. range is um i have to keep it under 18 so for tsa reasons You know, because we're doing a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes visits, but um, from nine years old to seventeen, which is fourth grade to twelfth grade, okay. And the reason, and the only reason uh, for the uh, the younger ones, because sometimes I have some real enthusiastic young kids, but uh, sometimes they're they're moving away from parents and being on their own, and I don't do discipline. (laughs) Mm. Although we do have rules, it's so cute do have rules and I make a game out of it. And the kids are awesome. They follow the rules. They do what I want them to do. But sometimes if they're too young, they, um, they start to act up and they want people to notice them, you know, yeah. instead of uh, have, letting everybody uh, listen to what's going on. So, or, or they just can't be separated from their parents. So I can't take them too young, but nine seems to, to work out really well. Nine to 17 is perfect. Now the older kids don't want little kids in their camp. So again, everyone has to be able to yeah. to move together as a group because we got stuff to do. Yeah. We don't have time to stop and work with just one a day who's at, who's crying. Right, <laughs> no yeah. Crying in aviation.
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so the older kids, I want them to be able to see what they can start working on right now. You know that that young lady who's her parents wouldn't let her get into aviation. Yeah, but there's stuff that you can be doing right now some studying that you can be doing. There's books out there for you to get ahead. And so that when it's, when the time is right, you can jump right in there and you're already going to know stuff that other people don't know. So there, that's for the older kids. I want them to already know what direction you're going. Some of yeah. them, uh, you don't have to go to college for some things. If you want to compete in the, uh, uh, in the airline world, you're going to have to have a college degree. So, mm-hmm. you know, decide which way you're going to go with this. You Go to the military. Um, they pay your room and board and they teach you how to fly. And all you have to do is do your job, but mm-hmm. in, the, in a civilian world, you're going to pay all your bills and, and, you know, uh, get, try to get flight time so that you qualify for what you're doing, uh, but you didn't have to go into the military, you know, to do, to do it that way. So. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. You. <laughs> well,
0: Brenda, this has been such an amazing conversation and I've enjoyed getting to know you and all the advice that you've given is spot on and just wonderful advice. And if there's somebody listening and they have um, a child between nine and 17, get them involved in aviation camps and go to aviationcamps.org. So um, thank you so much, Brenda. Is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap up? Uh,
1: no, I, um, I enjoy what we've talked about today. Uh, this is not. I don't do this for sale but i wrote a a book just for teenagers and i think you mentioned it success is an attitude it's goal achievement for a a lifetime it's a teenage edition and it's to launch them from uh, from where they are as a teenager into the adult world because it really is confusing it's confusing for all of us it's just that teenagers Mm -hmm. don't realize that the rest of us were confused then too and there's just all kinds of little steps like the brick wall you know things that are going to happen if you know what's going to happen then you can prepare yourself for it. And that's why I, I wrote the book. And so I give that book away to kids in the camp. I don't, it is available on, on Amazon, but I don't advertise it. Yeah, I, just, I just try to make it available for the kids at the camp. So, um, and some of them realize that I'm telling them things that I wish I knew when I was their age. So yeah, <laughs> so I'm just adding that in there because a lot of the stuff that I told you today it's in the book <laughs> oh great great well we got
0: a little audio version of that appreciate that and yeah go get the book um I'll I'll, I'll get it out there for you I'll, I'll say it for you go get the book even though it's only it's for teenagers uh if you want to learn more or you know just keep that for you know your collection so well, thank you so much Brenda and I hope to, you know, continue following what you're doing and um, really appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking about cheerleading and aviation, and all of that. So
1: thank you well, so, thank so you much. Thank you for asking me. I haven't had this awesome conversation in my entire life. This wow. is so incredibly cool that oh I could talk gosh. about.
0: this. So thank you. That makes me so happy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're so welcome. <laughs> Wow. That's all I can say. Is wow. And I hope you're saying the same thing. This was a great first episode, very fitting for Black History Month, which I hope you are commemorating or celebrating in some way, whether you're black, white, Asian, China, you know, whatever you are. Uh it's It's important to know history and know American history because Black history is American history overall. Now, I want to just transition into Jazz and Janelle's Boot Camp, which is coming up and starting soon. February 19th. It's a Sunday. It's in about two weeks, actually. So you have up until that, I think the Friday before to sign up. So, if you have any questions about this boot camp, this pro boot camp that we are putting together, we really believe that it's something that will help a lot of people. We're not only bringing our expertise, but we're bringing the expertise of hair and makeup artists, posing uh, professionals, hair and, hair and makeup, posing professionals, photo shoots, photography professionals. Attire. We're bringing in all of it. Anything and everything that you need to know about your audition, you're going to learn it here and you're going to get a feedback from people in the industry who may be coaches, former cheerleaders or dancers. Might be a judge where you're actually going to be dancing in front of people sign up today you will also I want to put this out there have the opportunity to be entered into a giveaway if you attend my Tuesday class next week February 7th Yes, that's right. If you attend the class in person or either virtually, there are virtual options. If you cannot make it in person, then we will enter you into a giveaway to get a discount on the the program. Okay, so. Come and you shall receive. Maybe possibly your name might be pulled. And so. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for your support each and every day, each and every week. And if you like to support this podcast, you can do so. If you want to keep listening, you want more episodes, you want to see more people on here, you can support by donating to the the podcast. And that link is going to be in the show notes. All right. Well, I hope you have a great, great rest of your day and I will see you again back here for another episode of the imperfect cheerleader the podcast all right i feel like i need some like outro music like that with people singing maybe i'll get that so (laughs) one day well we're only like 72 episodes in you know not that big deal um maybe we make it to 100 (laughs) we'll see no but really be safe out there happy black history month and be a great person always Bye.